paper and the Bible and all that stuff. That's me. Um, but we also have our, uh, a live event on Uversion. If you don't have it, you know, you can go to the App Store and get it. Uh, you go to the More tab, and then you go to the Events tab. Um, you can type in either our area code or zip code 43609, or you can uh, just put in Vision Ministries, and it should get you right there. Amen? So we're still in this underdog series, and, you know, Pastor Joy say that it, it's, it, it's my idea, and it kind of is because I've always felt that way. But then, you know, we got David this week, which is really cool. Uh, a really cool person for me to have that I'll be discussing today because a lot of the things uh, that we're going to discuss today, I'm going through. And so being a person that's going through those kinds of things, it kind of adds a little bit. So, you know, if I move around a little bit or if I sound a little out there, it's because when you get personal, it's personal. God is a personal God. Amen. Amen. So uh, let's start this off with God uh, coming in on this. God, you are amazing in who you are. And even, Lord God, as we come together in your word, we would just pray right now that there would be a clear understanding of who you are and we would see your face in all of this, that your glory be revealed in every word spoken and in every act done. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. The whole assembly says what? All right. So I stole a little bit from Pastor Joy. Um, uh, an idea that Pastor Joy always throws out there. I went with an acrostic this week um, in discussing David. And, you know, like I said, I don't understand the whole underdog thing because a man after God's own heart, come on, how can he be an underdog, right? A guy that defeated a nine-foot giant, how can he be an underdog, right? Well, he didn't go into that battle looking like he was going to win it. If uh, we remember Pastor Joy's definition of an underdog, uh, from last week, um, it was mentioned that an underdog is someone not expected to win, right? Anybody ever bet a long shot in here? I did. It don't work out that often. Uh, <laughs> it does sometimes, but not very often. And so um, when you look at David's life as a whole, you would find that there are areas that God had to work on him as he does in all of us to get him to the point where he could be used. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but I am one of them people that God is still working a lot on. Right. And understanding that that work is being done, but still walking in that authority is something that we all could take a lesson from David for. So what I did was I came up with this little acrostic. Actually, I didn't come up with this acrostic. My beautiful wife came up with this acrostic. I wanted to go big, but she wanted to go bold. B-O-L-D, bold. And when we go bold um, in this uh, presentation that I'm going to give you today, in going bold, there are certain characteristics that is built within you through your personal experiences that God is able to use in a way that will be extraordinary. Anybody in here wouldn't mind being extraordinary, right? Right? All right, we're going to have to fix that because God's people are extraordinary. We stand out from the crowd. And it's not being bold in a sense of, look at me, look at me. No, it's being a bold in a sense of standing out and having a presentation and confidence that God is in control of all things. Amen? So, how do we go about being bold? Let me first explain to you how David could be perceived as an underdog. The first thing I want us to realize is that David had seven 
brothers before him. And in a family of that size at that time, in this culture, the youngest didn't count. Unlike today, right? How many people got baby brothers and sisters in here? How do mama treat them? This is my baby. Right? What's our youngest? 23? Right? It's still my baby. Didn't work back then, right? And then, here's another thing about David a lot of people probably don't even think about. In David's household, he had the lowest position in that household. In other words, everybody know that David tended sheep. Anybody that picked up a Bible would say, well, he was a sheep herder at first, right? Well, we know that he, attend, that he tended sheep, but that was considered the lowliest position in the household. Why it was considered the lowliest position in the household? Because you had to be out in the field for some very long hours with nobody but the sheep, right? And so when we be, look at some of the things that it takes to be bold, we're going to start with the letter B, which is big. Why do I say big? Because no matter how small we are to start, God uses our experiences to accomplish great things. Anybody in here is like that. You know, you start out and somebody walks up to you and they ask you to do them a little something and then a little something else and then a little something else. And before you know it, you're running their life, right? Well, that's kind of the way God works. He'll give you a little bit. Then he'll give you a little bit more once you adjust to that weight. He'll give you a little bit more, and as long as you stay on that journey, he will get you there. Let's go to Scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 12 through 14, and God will help us break that down a little bit better. He says, now, David was son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. Now, here's the deal, and this is about him being the youngest in the family. Do you notice they, they, they put in there that the three oldest went off to battle. They went off to war. This is a thing of honor, you know, to be in the king's service, to be on the front line, to be on the battlefield, to defeat the enemy, right? That, that is a very high honor in that day. These days, eh, not so much so. Most people, when they are challenged today, they shy away from that challenge. Most people. We as Christians should feel a different way. Who fights our battles for us? God, right? For those of us who don't know, the battle belongs to the Lord, right? And if he's fighting our battles, we know that we know that we know that we're going to come out victorious. Might have to take a few wounds, might have to spend a little time in jail, might have to spend a little time in the hospital, might have to spend a little time in a dope house, might have to spend a little time in a bar. We might have to deal with different issues that we have to deal with, but those issues really aren't who we are. Who we are is a child of the living God, and David was able to recognize that where his brothers was looking for prestige and position. 
Nobody really saw it the way, at least I didn't. I never really saw it that way. And so then we'll go in to, and this is how I'm bagging this up. In uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 26 through 28 reads like this. David asked the man standing near him, what would be, the, what would be done for the man who this Philistine, Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying to him. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. Verse 28. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few little sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down here only to watch the battle. And when I read that, I read it over and I read it over and I read it over again. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, so these guys are on the front line. David gets sent by his father to bring them provisions while they are on the front line. And then when he gets to the front line, that's when that big guy Goliath was coming out. He'd been coming out and he's been harassing everybody for 40 days and 40 nights and all of Israel is afraid. And so David is hearing them talk about it. He, act he actually is there to hear for the first time what was going on. The thing that really flips me out, if you go a little bit further back in chapter uh, 16, I do believe, of this um, book, because I read the whole thing through, but when you read about the whole situation as a whole, you know, David was anointed king. David was put into Saul's service. David was doing a lot to become the warrior that he was to be on that battlefield. A lot of us focus on the opponent and what happened on the battlefield, but we don't focus on the man that was being built up behind that. David was being built up by his brothers teasing and belittling him. David was built up by taking the responsibility of being a sheep herder um, and having the lowest position in the household and taking it serious and going after those sheep when anything tried to take away from it and taking on the responsibility of making sure that everything was covered when he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Come on, y'all. And when you take on these responsibilities, you grow in other areas in life. And it is recognized. It is recognized through the way that you go about doing things. You ever deal with somebody that only half does something? Oh yeah. My wife is the only one to have to deal with that, right? Right? If any women in here that's married that's like my wife, hey, get this done. Okay, baby, it's done. Oh yeah, why isn't this done? Is that part of it? Right? Well, in the same sense, we go a lot of times into service and we think, ooh, we doing something. And I do. I, I put my chest out there in a minute. I'd be like, yeah, baby, I got this done. Yeah, well, what about this? You know, it's like if a critter gets into the house, that whole house need to be baited. Right? So I got the mouse traps. I got them down and everything. She said, well, why didn't you put none over here? What? They get in there too? And did you do the outside? I was supposed to do the outside. You know, we forget or we have do something. And I, we've been in that house a number of years, so I know what I'm supposed to do. But not all the time do I do it the way it's supposed to be done. Right? Now, I've gotten better over the years. So that one thing she don't have to remind me about. Well, with David, if you look at the progression of the way that things has happened to build him up for being underdog, to be an overcomer on that battlefield, there were things that progressively happened 
to make that happen. Amen? It's not an easy thing to accept responsibility and take it on no matter how small. You know, it's like if we take a look at the person that greeted you at the door, right? That's a beginning. That might not be what God wants them to do this whole time, but it's a beginning. That person that's greeting you out the door is probably somebody that's not used to dealing with a whole lot of people sometimes. But they get outside of themselves and they do that. How about the person that's back in the sound room, monitoring the sound, and has to make sure everything is in balance and everything? They didn't start out knowing all of that. Y'all hear that sometimes. Who's the first person y'all look at? Sound man. Right? And so every position that God puts us in once we claim that we are his is one that we should use to grow and to move forward. I like the way Eliab just messed his little brother up in front of everybody, right? He said this in front of everybody. Who watching those little sheep that you're supposed to be doing, right? I remember reading a couple of times through this that when Saul came to anoint the brother or uh, anoint Jesse's son, he paraded everybody else before him. But then when God presented David to him, he said that he was handsome. He looked good and he looked strong, right? And then um, if you get a little bit deeper into that, when uh, he was uh, put into Saul's service and Saul uh, lost his standing with God, let's say, and an evil spirit came on him, he said, hey, we need somebody that can play the lyre. Um, the, one of Saul's servants said, hey, we know this guy, one of Jesse's sons, David, who is handsome and he's a good warrior. And all of this happened before he was on the field. At least in the Bible it did. Amen? And so David was put in that position, but how did he even get to the point where he was in that position, right? That's when we get to our second letter, which is O. O is on your face. Any prayer warriors in here? Amen. Right? On your face. All right? To be bold, we must spend time on our face in his presence. Right? Remember when I mentioned that about being a sheep herder or shepherd or however y'all want to term it? David had a lot of time on his hands. How do you spend your downtime? I know there are times when I spend my town time on the, in my favorite chair watching something that don't even matter on TV. It's a lot less time now. But I did. I spent a lot of time in front of that TV being very unproductive in anything that I wanted going on. Right? Talk about how long that honey-do list get. Why does it get that long? Because you ain't doing nothing. Right? You get your time off and you say, oh, I worked so hard. I deserve this downtime to just do nothing. Or am I the only one that, that, that think that they deserve that, right? And then uh, there's other things that catches your attention as well. You know, you have other responsibilities in life. Now, here's my thing. And it's not just because I'm a pastor I feel this way. But if there is anything that you're going after in life that you put in front of the way that you go after God, something is wrong 
with your relationship with him. You're not spending enough time on your face. I know when I am out of sync because I mess up a lot of stuff. I mess up a lot of stuff. And some of you that know me know I can mess it up, really mess it up. But when I spend that face time with God, when I get to know him better, when I get to understand what his purpose is for me greater, I mean, you can be a little bit selfish and say, God, what do you want from me? God, how am I supposed to do this? God, why is this? Why did I make that stupid decision? Why did I make, why did I say that crazy thing? Well, David did something crazy. And I do believe it was in first Kings. I read that when we talked about David being a man after God's own heart, what they mentioned was that he did everything that God wanted him to do without flaw, except the mistake that he made with Bathsheba and then killing her husband. Right. And so with all the people that he killed, none of that was innocent blood. With all the other mistakes that he made in life, none of that went against God. But it was mentioned in 1 Kings about this. And so in his face time and understanding who God is, I found scripture in Psalms uh, verse 51, verses 1 through 7, that helps me kind of understand what a real relationship is like and how considering the person that you claim to love being the person that you are would mend in to what the plan would be to make life greater for yourself and the relationship tighter for the other person. Amen. And so here is David speaking to God after he messed up with Bathsheba. Okay. Um, Verse 51, or sorry, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 7, reads like this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, You only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desire faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me. And I will be whiter than snow. How many of us stand up and own our own? It's hard. I do it sometimes. Actually, I'm getting better at it. I do it most of the time. But when you stand up and own your own, but listen to the words that David spoke the way that he phrased it, the hurt that he felt in letting down the person with the most important relationship that he had with at this point in his life. When I go to my wife and I apologize once I realize that I'm wrong about something, I really do be sorry. I really do feel like, oh, God, please don't let me get myself in this situation again. 
But it's all talk if it's something that just keeps going on and keeps going on and keeps going on because I did not recognize the, what it was that I did wrong, number one. Number two, I'm not even considering how she feels through it. The way that David went into this, Lord, you are the one that is right in this. You are the one that set everything up. You are the one that has me the way that I am. And now I come to you to make me better. Anybody in here want to be better? Right? Lord, just make me better. Right? I tell my wife every time I mess up, and it's a lot. Don't think I'm perfect. Right? I tell my wife every time I mess up, uh, baby, I am going to get better. Mm -hmm. We will see. She's good at saying that. Hurts my feelings every time, too. Uh, yep, I'm saying this in public. We will see. But baby, look at my face. Don't I look real? You ever went to God like that? Lord, you know me. Wouldn't it be funny if you ever heard his voice like I did that one time where he said, yeah, but do you know me? <clears throat> Earl, why'd you say that? Because it's true. If we don't spend time on our face, if we don't spend time in his presence, how are we going to know him? How are we going to know that we have offended him and what it is that we were doing other than what we hear from somebody else? And if it's our responsibility to show the face of God and everything it is that we do, if it is our responsibility to love them through everything, if it, if it is our responsibility to learn his heart, how are we going to do that if all we worry about is us and what it is that we're going through? It just, does that make sense to anybody in here? So the easiest way to do it is to just shut yourself down. See, now I've learned to shut up because I do. I got a mouth on me. Look at the time. Right? I got a mouth on me. But my wife sees right through it. She said, yeah, talk all you want to, but I want to see. God wants to see. Right? God's seen in David's actions who he was and who he is. Now we get to the hard part of this. The L is love. We must love God. I threw this in there and others. It is difficult to love someone that you don't like. It is difficult to love someone knowing some of the things that they do that you used to do. It is difficult to love someone that you had all of these expectations for and they've let you down. It is difficult to love someone that you can't forgive for whatever reason and many of us have a variety of reasons that you wouldn't do it. But isn't God's commandment for us to love first? That's the first thing you threw out there. Love the Lord your God with all your heart Right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. Love is just everywhere that God is. Right? And so we got to love him. How do we know that? Let's look in Romans chapter uh, 8, verse 27 through 30. Whew. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for God, for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Who have, those who have been called according to his purpose. 
For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, and that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What reason do God's people have to walk in defeat after knowing that? What reason do we have not to be successful in all areas of our life? Not just when we come to church, not just when we go to our job, not just when we're dealing with our children, but when we go to the grocery store, when we go to the gas station, when we're walking down the street, when we're working on our car and we hit ourselves with something. You ever had that wrench fall on your forehead? Did you cuss? I was working on my car one time. I almost cussed twice, and I ain't cussing in a long time. I almost cussed twice. I told my wife, I said, ooh, I got to take a break. I almost cussed twice. She said, twice? Yeah, I thought about it. <laughs> Listen, and he who searches our hearts know the mind of the spirit. Who is he, this spirit? Who is he? that knows this heart oh so well that no matter what it is that I try to do to mess things up, he straightens me out. He lets me know, you say that word, somebody's going to be going by that's going to hear it. He lets me know, if I take this action, if I react this way at my job when things ain't going my way, everybody in that job is watching. He lets me know that no matter what it is that I want to do, as long as I'm willing to give him control, everything works for the good of those who love who? Who loves who? Who loves who? See, y'all not talking in the confidence that I thought y'all would be talking in. Listen, all things work for those who love God. When you love God, all things. Oh, Lord, you just don't understand, Pastor. You know, when your lights is getting ready to go out, have my lights out before. I know what it's like. I know what it's like. You don't even got to stand in the line down at Heap no more, man. That used to be like the worst thing ever. You wait for the coldest day. You go down there, 3 o'clock in the morning. It's already five people down there, so forget about going to the bathroom. And you're down there from 5 o'clock in the morning until they open up the door at 7 o'clock in the morning. I know what it's like to go through that. Oh, you don't know what it's like to be homeless. Oh, yes, I do. I know what it's like to be homeless. I know what it's like to stay in a shelter and be sneaking in and out in hours that you're not supposed to just because either your kid is hungry or you want something, right? I know what those things are like. Oh, Pastor, you don't know what it's like to have that crazy man. Yo, that crazy man or that crazy woman your wife is perfect yes she is but I ain't I know what it's like to have somebody that will show you love that will give you support that will make you feel like the person that you think you should be that will build you up that will back you up that puts hands and lay lay hands and pray over you I know what all of that is like I also know what it's like to be on the other side of that to have brothers and sisters that's stabbing you in the back that's trying to kick you around that drags your name through the mud that tells you that you ain't never going to be nobody yeah I know both sides of that but do you know who your God is? Do you know that all things, all things, you don't understand 
what it's like to have a sick child laying on the bed, almost dying. Yes, I do. My youngest son almost did that on us. You don't know what it's like to work a job that you hate. Yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Oh, yes, I do. Amen. Got that one out. Didn't think I was going to make it. Listen, God, when we say all things work out for the good of those who love him, doesn't mean that he's not, you're not going to have to weather through some storms. It doesn't mean that you're like there and you're set. It means that all things works out for the good. So you're looking at the big picture, the big view. Now, does that mean it's going to take 150 years for this to happen? No, it does not. Might happen next week, might happen next month, might happen next year, might happen tomorrow. But the thing is, you have the faith and the trust in God to know that it's going to work out. Amen? Man, he glorified, he justified. That is an amazing statement in itself. So, and I'm going to mess my notes up here. Here we go. Wait. David was a man after God's own heart. Wow. Wow. Here we go. First Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. He said, you have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Here's the deal. Saul messed up. He messed up so bad, God said, nope, no more. I've already picked somebody else. Who did he pick? He picked the man after his own heart. And the, God, the man that he picked didn't even know God picked him. As a matter of fact, his father didn't know that he picked him. As a matter of fact, Samuel didn't know that he picked him. You know what? Sitting in here, God has picked somebody to do something extraordinary. The question is, are you going to answer the call? Now, when David was called up, David was called up by God, right? When Samuel went in the house, he hit him with oil and said, you're going to be the next king, right? So he was called out and he was called up. You have been called out and you have been called up just because you're sitting in that chair. These cushy, softy chairs, you know, they're just the bribe to get you in the door. Those donuts and coffee, yeah, that's just the bribe. The real work begins when your heart begins to change. When your heart becomes like God's heart, you don't want to sit in that chair no more. When your heart begins to be like God's heart, you don't want to see people suffering. When your heart begins to be like God's heart, you don't walk all sheepishly uh, afraid to be able to speak up and to stand up for who you are and not be arrogant about the way that you do it because, of course, we do all things in love, but you will get up off of that seat and do something. You ever had that kid that just sits in front of the TV all the time? I was that kid. And my mama used to say, go out unless the wind hit you in the butt. And she didn't say in the butt. Just get out. Any parents in here still like that? I don't want you sitting off up in my house. Shoot. Right? And so when God saw that he needed someone, 
He didn't seek someone that looked good. What did he tell Samuel when Samuel saw Jesse's first son? Woo, he looks good. Yeah, he could be the next king. God said, oh. And then look how he treated his little brother in front of everybody else. Something tells me that there was a flaw in the character of those other people that God could not choose them because he had already picked them out. I believe that God had already picked out my family for me because that was what I always wanted. I always wanted to be a dad and a good husband. I always wanted that for as long as I can remember. I didn't want to be a cop. I didn't want to be a fireman. I didn't want to be nothing but a good husband. I didn't know that it cost money to do that at the time. I want y'all to know that. Probably would have made better choices. Right? But I did know that's what I wanted out of life. I do believe birth in David was a desire to please God. From everything that I've read about David, from everything that I understand about who his, how his character was made up, from every way that God was able to use him, I believe in my heart of hearts that it was placed in him from birth to be who it was that he was. Right? Again, we're not just talking about who he was on that battlefield. We're talking about what made him that person to get on that battlefield. Anybody else sitting down and they see the field that's over there, they hear the voice of the giant, and they're in a panic like everybody else. Why should we be in a panic like everybody else when we got God on our side? Why should we be in a panic about everything else when we know where all the authority lies, that all things works out. So we got to go big. We got to get on our face. We got to love. Our last letter in this, we have to be determined. In our hearts, to follow God in every area of our life. Do I mean just when you come to church? Did I say that? Do I mean just when we supposed to be good Christian people and give a few dollars at Christmas to help some kid have a toy? Do I mean just to come down to the kitchen every now and again and feel like you did your good deed and get your little pat on the back from us? Do I mean just when we have a special project up at the church for you to come up and help at? No, in every area of our lives, we should be determined to follow God. And it ain't always easy. Do you know how many basketball games I missed during uh, March Madness this week? I missed a lot this year. I missed more than I normally miss, and I was mad. I was like, Everybody and their mama know that I'm not supposed to do nothing at this time. Am I lying, baby? I was on the move. I was like, and every time I came back in the door, missed that doggone upset. My son had to text me the, uh, when Villanova went down. I'm like, what? There goes that bracket. But I ain't see it. And I don't got TiVo because, you know, I don't got it. Is it TiVo or Devo or whatever it is? <laughs> I don't got that stuff. So I couldn't even watch the replay. All I could do was look on the news. Yep, there went that bracket. All the yummy food that my wife made, I missed out on a lot of that. 
Because I got greedy kids. But you know something? I ended up getting over it because I said, you know what? Even in that area, I have to give it to God. I am a Buckeye fan. O H. <laughs> but me and my buddy George, George Chernowski, I don't know if y'all know him, but me and my buddy George, we were hardcore Buckeye fans. And being those hardcore Buckeye fans, well, we seen somebody, you know, from up north. Yeah, we gave it to him. And so then one time, I was giving it to somebody, and Pastor Keith came by, and he says, you know, that wasn't a very good witness. <laughs> so? <laughs> we talking Buckeye. We talking Buckeye Wolverines. It ain't never going to be a good witness when it comes to that. Never! <laughs> and he says, you need to give God every area of your life. You wonder why your cars keep breaking down? Because you ain't gave God everything. You wonder why you struggle with your finances? Because you ain't gave God everything. You wonder why you, I don't struggle in my relationship, but many of us in here, we struggle in our relationship because we haven't given God every area. You wonder why we can't, you know, seem to balance that checkbook no matter how much more we make because we haven't given God every area. You wonder why your health is failing and that, you know, you just keep on getting those headaches and you just can't seem to find your balance because we haven't given God every area. You wonder why why we keep falling back into those hang-ups, hurts, and addictions that we had before because we haven't given God every area of our life. When you give God every area of your life, it is every nook, cranny, corner, anything that comes across your mind, anything that rests in your heart, anything that you do, it belongs to God. And when you do that, he gets the glory. When he gets the glory, then it comes out to be the best thing that ever happened to anybody around you. When it gets to be the best thing that anybody else has experienced around you, then they want to know who he is. This is who we are, are the people of God that bring people to God. You can't bring people to God with a sour face. You can't bring people to God just getting by. You can't bring people to God when you're good in this area, but you got problems over here. I have problems in a lot of areas, but I've learned to hide them well. Oh, I'm the only one, right? What's funny is my wife is even better at it than me because I still think she's perfect. I do. I think my wife is perfect. She's the only perfect person that I know. Y'all can laugh at me if y'all want to. And no, I'm not trying to get bounty points. What The point that I'm trying to make here. <laughs> well, we good right now. We good. I don't need them. I don't need them. I was getting ready to say. See, I told you Albert is like my brother because I was getting ready to say, can I put it in the bank? Anyways. So David, in everything that he is, when he learned to give God every area in his life, from uh, his issues 
with his eye roaming away. You know, we used to say, does God ever take vacations? Yeah, we know he did because, you know, he would have been there when David messed up with Bathsheba. And so I'm looking at when he did give God everything and when he was able to walk in the confidence of knowing that God is in control of all things, he was able to boldly proclaim God's destiny in his life and take action. Now we are on the battlefield. We are on our way to the battlefield. He is in the presence of the king, and this is how he spoke to the king in 1 Samuel 17, verses 32 through 37. He says, How did that get backwards? Got 37 and 30. Yeah. Here we go. It's 35 through 37, right? So why do I got 35? I don't see 32. Did you miss myself up, man? It's all out. I know. Oh, sweet. Make it bigger. I'm old. <laughs> it don't get no bigger. Oh, now it turned and went smaller. David said, let no one lose heart account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep in the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When he turned on Yet me, I seized it by his hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. Oh, there's more. Man, this is being recorded too, ain't it? Your stuff just messed up on me, baby. Okay. So Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. All right, did I get it all? All right. Because this is, all right, this is going to be kind of quick, y'all, and I'm going to be a little bit animated because I get excited about this part of this story because he is in the presence of the king. How many people know what it's like to be in the presence of the king? Okay, when you go into the presence of the king, you better be right or you ain't leaving the presence of the king. Right? And so somebody overheard David telling everybody, hey, what's going on? Where do we get it? Now, here's, the first question that came across my mind was one. Um, who was this person that went to the king and said, hey, we got somebody that's willing to fight Goliath? And how did David look to him like he would be able to handle himself as a young man that looked good, right? Pretty boy. Going out into the battlefield to fight a giant. And somebody took that to the king. And then the king gave him a listen, right? So we know this is all set up by God, right? And so here's how everything ties in to understanding that David had given God every area of his life. The very first thing he mentioned to the king was, when I was tending my father's sheep, my very first responsibility, I gave it to God. Dang, I just messed y'all up and y'all don't even realize it. His very first responsibility in this walk, he gave it to God. 
when he gave it to God, evidently, and this is where it ties in, where I'm understanding why this guy went to him, and the same guy that went to Saul and said that David can play the, the, the guitar, that's what the lyre was, and David, uh, he's a warrior, and David looks good, and he speaks well, right? These are the things that the person that went to the king to have David play for him said about him. Well, this very, another person comes along later on, on the battlefield, and he says, he went after this big old bear or this super strong lion, grabbed it by the hair, struck it, and he killed it. Now let's go back to what his brother said. Who's tending those little bitty old sheep that you're supposed to be watching? His brother's attitude was, you got this lowly job that you were supposed to be doing, and you're not even good at doing that because you're here being nosy and trying to build things up for yourself. Ain't nobody ever had to go through that in here, huh? When you are making progress in life and changes is beginning to happen, everybody will look at you and say, oh, you're just full of yourself now. Mm-hmm, y'all getting to understand what I'm saying now, huh? When you give things over to God, great, mighty, life-changing things happen. You don't talk the same. You don't walk the same. You don't even look the same. If everything belongs to God, your marriage don't look like it did when you went in to that relationship with God. Your dependence on that other person, you're not as dependent on that other person as you are dependent upon God. Now the two of you are dependent upon God together, and now y'all are able to do great and mighty things because there's less argument because everything is for God. Your children, the way that you raise them, the people that they become or that they're going to become, that belongs to God. David said, I went after that lion. You know what that tells me? We have to take action. We can't just be sitting around, people. He took action. He seen that the job at hand may have cost him everything. But he said, the same God that rescued me from the mouth of that lion and from the paw of the bear will lay this giant down. And what really, really, really blew my mind, y'all see that purple smoke go up? What really blew my mind was that the king and what he saw in David's eye and in the character that he portrayed in doing that entrusted the freedom of the whole nation on the shoulders of a young man with sticks and stones. Yep, I'm starting to see him go up now. Blowing your mind too now, huh? Who would trust you with anything in the state of mind that you are in before you know God? If you ever want to know how somebody perceives who you are, see how much they trust you with their kids. Ah. Yeah. Shoot, it's hard to get some past these, some of these mothers. Come on. 
Don't be looking at my kid like that. I don't know you like that. Right? If you really want to know how somebody perceives who you are, see how serious they are when they come to you. Whether they come to you kind of nonchalantly like, yeah, I'll ask, but I know it ain't going to happen. Or if they come to you in confident, in, in, with confidence and saying, all right, if, if you have the time, can we get this done? You know, Pastor Joy did a sermon saying no more, in, in the No More Excuses series saying that we need to work, be better with our time management. I am one of them people with time management. So I just stopped telling people, I'll see what I can do. Nope, I can't do it. I ain't got the time, really. But when I do have the time, I say, oh, yeah, here we go. Right? We have to be diligent and determined to be who we are in him first. Don't wait until we have to experience something bad and run to it. How many people do that? Get painted in that corner and then run to God. Raise your hands. I ain't the only one. Come on, raise them up high. Come on, admit it. Right? I paint myself into that corner and be like, oh, dang. tracks but you go to God first before you even get your roller on you know to start from the corner and this is what David knew he said I'm gonna do this not for me but for God brothers and sisters of vision ministries be you in Waterville or be you here on South and Broadway, we kind of need to have some kind of shift to where we're able to walk in confidence in who we are in Christ. We have to start putting action behind our words. You know, H2O, coolest thing ever. As a matter of fact, I was writing in BG, I seen a church that's called H2O now. Now, my brother Albert, I hope he ain't mad that I use his name. I love Pastor Albert. Pastor Albert, you tell him what you want, he's going to do exactly what you want. I mean, exactly what you want. If you say, Pastor Albert, nobody comes in that door. Ain't nobody hitting in that door. If you say, Pastor Albert, I'll be ready at 6. He's there at 558. He won't call you till 558. He's probably there. You're probably there at 555, ain't you? I'm learning through him to be that kind of person that's prepared, that is ready, that what is said will be done. We, as a body, need to learn to do that. How do I know that? Because my wife and I, we've been working benevolence ministries for quite some time now. And in working in benevolence ministries, it is difficult to activate people to be involved especially when you don't feel like you're getting anything out of it. And so what we ended up doing was what we're doing here at Vision on South and what they're doing out in Waterville, Pastor Joy came up with these risk cards. If you have youth, y'all have done those before, right? So you got a card that's going to challenge you to get outside of yourself. Hey, Pastor Albert, can you spread these along the altar, please? These risk cards, and they're R period, I period, S period, 
Yeah, there it is up there. Check that out. Um, those risk cards, um, I think it's saying reaching into Satan's kingdom. In other words, we get ready to go and we snatching people straight from the gates with acts of service. And so the ones that I've read so far are all involved in ministries that we have going on here. How many people, raise your hand if you are active in ministry here, if you're part of our vision family, active in ministry, right? Is that all my family that's in here? Well, if you're in vision family, stand up. Visitors, yeah. If you want to be a part of vision ministry, stand up. Wow. Okay, here's the deal. Looking at all of these faces, there's a lot that can be done for the kingdom. And I'm not saying do it because I need you to do it, because guess what? I got a lot of people that come in from the outside to help us do things. You're not doing this for me. You're not doing this for Vision Ministries. You're doing it for God. When you do things for God, you can go at it in confidence and saying that very same thing that I had to conquer, that's the very same fear that I had and being able to do things, I have been able to overcome and I'm able to do an excellence for God even now. Here's where we're at. We're in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 and 39. Knowing all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither not, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, n- nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. A long story short, there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God. But there is nothing better than promoting him, than coming together as one in a unified form to do excellent service for people who don't know him. So today, the coolest thing about being bold is that it challenges you to go into action. It challenges you to step outside of yourself. I'll let you be comfortable for a minute. But then we're going to stretch you for a bit. So, here's what I want to see happen today. I got those cards up here on the altar. Right? Before we go to those cards, anybody right now that feels like, Pastor Earl, I'm just not ready yet. I feel a little short. I don't think, you know, I don't know enough Bible verses. I knew zero Bible verses when I picked up that toilet bowl brush and started cleaning those toilets in here. You might say, well, Pastor Earl, I still got some bad things that be on my mind and some things that I just haven't gotten over yet. And you know what? I had anger issues with my father that I hadn't dealt with. I had, you know, fear of uh, losing my wife because of things that I had done in the past. I I felt like I was less than uh, any kind of, I I didn't have any kind of um, way to be a good father. Um, we never had enough. There was a lot of things that was on my mind when I said, but above all things, Lord, I choose you. And once I made that decision to say, Lord, 
I choose you, things started changing and started coming into place. So if you are out there and you're having doubts or you're feeling short, a lot of us probably have unforgiveness in our hearts for somebody that did us wrong. A lot of us probably went to a church before and got started on that track and somebody said or do, did something to push you away and that's why you feel like I'm just coming and do my guilt appearance at church. Some of us might even just be saying, you know what, I'm just not ready. But you're here. God didn't bring you here just to sit in that chair. God brought you here to bring about change in your life. And not just a small change, a major change for the better. Because he's a great big God, amen? So here's what I want, I kind of pictured us doing here. Before you can get to these cards, you're going to have Yeah, you take that side. I got this side. Y'all going to have to get past us. Ain't going to be hard. I don't even know that game. I know red light, green light. <laughs> we are going to set up a little bit, a little bit forward, a little bit forward. Y'all know how back in the day only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies and then when Jesus went up on that cross the curtain was torn and everybody could enter in. But here's what's even better. Jesus sacrificed himself. We will celebrate a week from now. And when he left he empowered us with this Holy Spirit. This threshold that me and Pastor Albert has set is the authority, the power, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's going to bring about a change in you that will allow you to pick that card up randomly and do something amazing for God this week that will make you feel this is where I belong. Doesn't have to be at Vision Ministries, but it has to be somewhere. Because you can't fight these battles alone. So just think for a minute. What giant are you facing? What's that one thing that makes you feel less than worthy? Don't care if you're still going out there. Don't care if you still every now and again. What I do care about is that you begin to trust God. And this will be your first step. When you cross this threshold, I feel it, Pastor Albert. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So when you cross this threshold, know that you're crossing over into a new life. Everything that you came out, came in here with, you are washed clean in the name of Jesus Christ. And our prayer is that you would allow his Holy Spirit to fill you even now. So that means in your mind, just as David had to be prepared before he went out on that battlefield to face that giant, God is preparing your heart and your mind even now to go and accept the first challenge that God is going to give you and stepping in to reaching in to Satan's kingdom 
and snatching people from the gates. Are y'all ready? Bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, you are amazing in who you are. Father, you've loved us from the very beginning. Father, you set it up for your Holy Son to come and to give us a living example. Father, you loved us so much that the grace that you have shown, even in our guilt, Lord God, and in our shame, you have shown us love and always given us a way out. Even now, Lord God, for this assembly, for the assembly, Lord God, that is in Waterville, for all who would call you Lord, give us today the courage and the strength to move forward and what your call is on our lives. That, Lord God, this would be the beginning of much, much work that needs to be done for your light to be seen around the world. Let it start, Lord God, here in South Toledo and out in Waterville, Lord God. Let those lights connect, Lord God. Let our bodies come together right now in spirit and in truth and in worship to you and putting into action the service that is necessary for others to know your name to see your glory to feel your joy to know your peace to experience your love let this time that we are going to spend with you be the best time that we've ever experienced as we have set this threshold, Lord God, we, have, we just pray right now, Lord God, authority and the power of the Holy Spirit from the sacrifice that you made on the cross that in all that you are, we could be greater, for you to be greater, for you to be known. Thank you, oh God, for all that you are and all that you're going to be. I ask that you would bless your people that you would bless, Lord God, your house to do the work that you started. Thank you, O oh God, for all that you are. In Jesus' precious holy name I pray. Amen.